welcome to the Friendship Bread Podcast. I'm Crystal, and I'm here with Alma. We love to have real, honest, and raw conversations about life and everything that goes with it. And just like in any good friendship, nothing is off limits. So, Crystal, I'm going to start off a little differently this week. I have a joke for you that I have been really excited to tell you. So, knock, knock. Who's there? A little old lady. A little old lady who? Crystal, I didn't know you could yodel. (laughs) Do you want to know something funny? What? I actually don't really like the sound of yodeling. (laughs) I I, I feel like I should like it. Like, it should make me happy, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of yelling. I don't, like, listen to it in my spare time. But, like... (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) Now I'm curious. Does anyone listen to yodeling in their spare time? I I am curious. I mean, yodeling is super cool. It it is. It's cool. But... And I'm like, well, that's... You know... That's a great skill, I guess. There was a guy... Do you remember the kid who went viral for yodeling? You don't... Like, he was yodeling in a store... Nope. Several years ago. This does oh not ring any bells. Oh boy. I'm going to have to show her that video, guys. Um, um, about what I was going to say is like, hey, anytime you see a picture of somebody yodeling, they always look so happy. That's true. Like, I it's bringing them so that. much joy. <laughs> and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, it just, it doesn't make me feel the same way it makes you feel. <laughs> yeah, yodeling is definitely a unique thing. I don't know... How now I'm gonna have to Google how yodeling started. Like, is it a cultural thing, kind of like huga, like we talked about last week? Mm, it could be. I think, isn't it like a Swiss Alps kind of thing? Oh, that makes sense. Man, now I really feel like I should like yodeling because, like, <laughs> I'm really into ancestry stuff, and I found out that a lot of my ancestors came from Switzerland. So did mine. <laughs> So we gotta study up on this yodeling thing and see if that's where it came from. We're just not very good Swiss women, I guess. (laughs) No, we're not. We don't have goats either, so I mean... I mean, it's a goal of mine one day, but we'll see. But yeah, anyways, now that I've mentioned Hugo, we did talk about that last week, and Mm -hmm. I know I said something about ordering the little book of Hugo, um, and it came in, and I'm super excited, and I read the first two chapters already so far. And I'll let you guys know what I think as I keep um, reading it. But I love it so far. It's very encompassing. And the whole time that I'm reading it, I just, I feel happy. (laughs) So it does things for you that yodeling doesn't. (laughs) Yes. So so I have a question, though, about the book. Have you learned anything that's been like, oh, that's a super helpful tip? The second chapter is all about lighting. He talks about how the Danish um, light their homes differently Mm. based on pH. It has to do with the the color of the light. And they don't like super bright lights. Like, while they're eating, they have dimmer lights. And, um, like, it creates an atmosphere. And it's very interesting. And he also talks about that... They use a ton of candles. They burn a ton of candles. And he's like, not the scented kind. It's usually unscented because it's not about the scent for them. It's about the light it creates. That is so interesting. It makes so much sense because lighting really does affect mood a lot. Yes. Like, 
harsh fluorescent lighting, not very conducive to a good mood. Yeah. And candlelight. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. He, he talks about that they use so many candles that the average Dane goes through 13 pounds of wax a year. Wow. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> he said, by comparison, the average Dane goes through six pounds of bacon a year. So it's, <laughs> and he said, yes, that is a standard metric measurement that the Danes use. How much bacon? And, and this book is like, it's hilarious. It makes you super happy to read it because he's a very good writer. Uh-huh. But it's also like super educational and it's just been a really fun read so far. That is so fun. I, I'm honestly excited that you got this book and that we're going to hear about it as you go along <laughs> because yeah. I think it's so cool. And it's like perfect because we're coming into the seasons. He talks about that. The Danes, um, like during winter, there's 17 hours of darkness. Like the longest yeah. day of like winter solstice mm-hmm. has 17 hours of darkness in one day. And so Huga is not only a way of life for the Danes, but a way of survival through those times when they don't have much sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, so they have, they use a lot of candlelight and fireplaces and um, they like cafes are lit to be Hugali, which means Huga like. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's been very cool. That's read. amazing. But That's yeah. so amazing. But he talks about how it's a cultural thing and how, like, in other countries like Sweden, they have similar, like, practices, but it goes by, like, a different name. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, kind of like, he described it like how we would, we refer to something as homey. Mm-hmm. Is probably, like, one of the closest, closest ways he said it relates, but... Yeah, anyways, very interesting. I'll stop talking about it now, but I thought it was really cool how he talked about how it's just a way of life, and huga is, like, a very commonplace term over mm-hmm. there. They describe everything either like huga, something is hugali, or it's not huga-like. And I thought that was very interesting. I think that's that's really cool, because, like, in our culture that we grew up in, that's not something that you have such an emphasis placed on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Like, They're very practical. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Which um, kind of leads into, we've talked about things that we maybe, like, we've brought up several times in the past episodes, things that we have learned from our culture mm-hmm. um, that we're not so appreciative of. Mm-hmm. So, it would be kind of cool to think about what things are about the Amish culture that we do like. Yeah, because I know, like, maybe sometimes it sounds like there aren't any, but there are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, every culture has good things and bad things. Sometimes one outweighs the other, you know, mm-hmm. but in the end, there are still good things about the Amish culture. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, like you said, in every culture, because no matter where you go, We're human. So there's good and bad everywhere. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But yeah, the first thing that pops into my head that I'm very appreciative to the Amish culture for is the importance of family. Yes, I agree. I, one of the things I love is always knowing that, like, I'm going to get to see all of my family around the holidays, especially. Like, 
Um, and oftentimes there's other times we get together too, but especially like for my mom's side of the family, old Christmas, January 6th is always a time when we get together. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly not, I don't think either sides of my family really did holidays. Um, but I know that I was from a different sect of the Amish than you. Yeah. But that's really cool. That's a really fun family tradition. Yeah, it is. It's always just, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. You always know most years. I mean, there's been a few exceptions. But most years, on January 6th, we are going to an aunt or uncle's house somewhere. Yeah, because it's all extended family. You're getting to see your extended family, not just your immediate family as well. Yeah, it's like all my, like my grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, and... To be fair, not everybody comes, mm-hmm. but um, usually almost all of the siblings are there. Like, by siblings, I mean my aunts and uncles. And probably about 75% of the cousins. That's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an importance on the entire family. Yeah, place yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to catch up with them and see what's new in their lives. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my family... Um, I mean, my immediate family, I, like I've said before in another episode, I don't have much contact with my extended family, mm-hmm. but my immediate family, my parents and all my siblings, we definitely still have been able to maintain that, like, we get to see each other probably, I mean, it kind of depends, but once every week to two weeks. It kind of just varies based on how busy everyone is. Mm-hmm. Um, but every two weeks or three weeks or so, we do, like, a family dinner at my mom and dad's house. Mm-hmm. And we all get to sit down and eat together. And I am so appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something that we grew up doing. Mm-hmm. We ate dinner together at the table every single night. And on the mornings when my dad didn't have to be at work too early, he would make breakfast and we would all eat breakfast together too. Oh my gosh, your dad makes breakfast? He's like, yeah, he's the best at making breakfast. Okay, now we're going to have to have a battle of the dad's breakfast because <laughs> my dad used to make breakfast sometimes too, usually on the weekends, like when he was didn't have work. Yeah. He would make breakfast and it was always like the best thing. He made these cheesy eggs that were really delicious. My dad always made cheesy eggs too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Must be like an Amish dad thing. <laughs> what else did you have? I'm um, trying to think. My dad always made really good oatmeal pancakes. Oh. Um. And he loves waffles. The guy loves waffles. I, I actually prefer pancakes, but so he would he would alternate. Some days, you know, some days he'd do pancakes, some days he'd do waffles. Um, I see. I think I think we didn't let our dad alternate. We were like, no, we want cheesy eggs, <laughs> and usually he made. I want to say he made like ham or sausage. Yeah, there was always a meat, like either bacon or yeah. And toast with yes, always toast. butter and lots of homemade strawberry jelly. That was a must. If you didn't have strong homemade strawberry jelly, we could not have toast. And we almost always had grape juice. Interesting. Grape juice for breakfast. Yeah, it was like our thing. I've never heard of that. I've always heard of like orange juice for breakfast. 
everyone's heard of orange juice for breakfast. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, grape juice. Never heard of grape juice for breakfast. But I don't, we never did like a ton of grape juice. There was, but oh my goodness, to this day, if I wake up to the smell of coffee, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, we, we would come out for bre- out of our rooms in the morning for breakfast and the mm-hmm. house just smelled like coffee. And it was so, oh, hoogly. It was very hoogly. Do you know what our house smelled like sometimes in the morning? Peppermint tea. Oh, well, that too, actually. Yeah, because my dad really liked peppermint tea, and that's what he would put in his thermos when he went to work. But no, you didn't really smell that. See, sometimes dad would be like, you know, I'm in the mood for a snack before I go to work. And he'd crack open a can of sardines. Oh, and that's what it smelled like sardines when we woke up in the morning. You'd walk into the kitchen and be like, oh. Dad had sardines this morning. That's gross. I'm really glad my husband doesn't like sardines. <laughs> oh, it was not hoogly. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's going to be like, oh, I'm offended when he hears that. Because we found out that Crystal's dad listens to our podcast. I was told he's listening to it. Has he stuck to that? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. find out. We'll find out. Dad, if you're listening, let me know that you heard this. Yes. Thanks. There. Message sent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so needless to say, um, yeah, eating together was always a really important thing in my yeah. family. Um, doing things together, spending time was really important. Um, and to this day, when we go over to my parents' house and like when all my siblings are there, um, we can sit and talk for hours. Um, and I mean, usually the girls are the ones that are like, okay, let's all play a game. And the guys are like, Ooh, we don't like games, but sometimes we can get them to play games with us. Um, I, I seriously don't, I mean, like no offense to anyone listening, but I don't understand people who don't like games. <laughs> what is not to like? Yeah, my my dad is down for, like, all games. He'll play any game with us. And my mom's not really a game person, and I don't know. I don't know if, they, like, they grew up differently. Like, maybe her family didn't play as many games as my mm-hmm. dad did. I don't know. Hmm. That, see, that's interesting because my dad will play some games, but not all games. And then my mom also, she kind of has certain games she likes and certain ones she's like, oh, I don't know if I want to play that. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, games is another Amish thing. Amish people play a lot of games. Dutch Blitz. Dutch Blitz. Which, Seriously, can yeah. I put that at, like one of the top things <laughs> on my list? That you like yes, about the culture? I love Dutch Blitz. Yeah. Dutch Blitz is a card game. And, and you know, my mom doesn't play a lot of games, but she kills at Dutch Blitz. She's really good at Dutch Blitz. I really want to play Dutch Blitz now. <laughs> can we go play Dutch Blitz and record the podcast later? <laughs> Do you want to know a funny story? Sure. Okay, so when I was a teenager, um, and my group of friends, we would always play Dutch Blitz. And we usually had at least eight people, so we played on teams. Mm-hmm. And no one else ever wanted to keep score, and my my Enneagram One Wing was like, we gotta keep score. You can't not keep score. Why wouldn't they want to keep score? Well, I don't know. They were just like, well, whatever. And I was like, fine, I'll keep score. So it kind of became this thing where, like, I would keep the score. And then the dude that's now my brother-in-law would always be like, 
Oh, look at Crystal. She's winning again. She's cheating. We should probably, like, start counting cards for her. Make sure she's not, like, lying. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that I hate, I despise cheating. Like, it just really, like... It goes very firmly against your Enneagram one wing. <laughs> and my Enneagram two self, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, this one time, we're playing... And I'm on a team with someone. I'm not going to name no names. <laughs> we all know who he is. Anyway. <laughs> and we're playing. And he keeps like, like, I saw him slide a card under. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that. And he's like, shh, shh, Crystal, 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 nobody saw. And I'm like, get that card out of there. You can't do this. <laughs> And then he kept, like, miscounting things wrong on purpose. And you know how you're, like, supposed to flip over, like, two or three cards at a time? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we would play, like, okay, like, if a certain person is not quite as speedy, to make the game a little more fun for them, we would be like, you can flip one. That's fine. Yeah, we always did that, too. We were not playing like that, okay? <laughs> we were playing you flip three. Yes. And he's over there trying to flip one. And ah! I'm like, dude, flip three. He's like, Crystal, no one noticed. <laughs> By the end of the game, I will admit, I was so mad, I was about ready to spit nails. And I was like, I'm not playing with him anymore. He makes you look bad. He made me look terrible. It was horrible. Everyone's always accusing me of cheating. And now there he is, cheating. <laughs> like, way to make it look like I've been cheating all along. Which, to the credit of my friends, they knew that I hated cheating. And they were like, dude, you need to stop. You're driving her crazy. <laughs> Woo! Bunny trail. Yeah, that was a bunny trail. It was a fun one, though. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I think it's because, like, Dutch Blitz is just, like, it's it's a, such a thing. It is so fun. very much an Amish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Tanner loves it, actually, too, now that mm-hmm. he's been introduced to it. And he actually liked it enough that one year we bought a deck and took it down to his family for Christmas. Oh, cool. And now they love it. That's awesome. Dutch Blitz is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, they do. They play a lot of games. Family is very important. Mm-hmm. And in general, like, beyond family, community is very important to Amish yes. people. Um, yeah. They have... Their communities are split up kind of by, like, churches. Yeah, and your church is, like, by the area you live in. Yes. It's not so much, like, how, you know, maybe we'll drive 15 to 20 minutes or sometimes even an hour to get to a specific church we want to go. Like, that's not how it is for the Amish. Their church is whatever is in their area. Which is very practical because it's where they can get to in a buggy. Yeah, or walk, or bike, or whatever. Yes. But also, I, I think about what that does for their community, too. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, these are the people that you're going to church with, but they're also the people that you're doing life with on the regular daily basis, because they're the neighbors you're going to yes. borrow a cup of sugar from, or the ones you're going to ask to watch to your kids, or, like, whatever. And when your horses get loose, they're the, they're the ones that help catch it. Yeah. And... Like, my dad tells a story of that um, my grandpa's barn caught on fire one time when my dad was still in school. 
Mm-hmm. And the neighbors saw it before my grandpa did. And by the time my grandpa saw that it was on fire and got back, the mm-hmm. neighbors had already formed a chain and were like pumping water and getting water on the barn mm-hmm. shop. Um, before he even got home, the neighbors were like already like working on the yeah. fire. Yeah. And that's how neighbors are in the Amish. You know, they do barn raisings, they build houses yes. for each other. Yes. I was, I was actually, I was going to say the whole barn raising thing because when you were talking about the shop fire thing, it um, made me think of, like, so I have an aunt who their barn was struck by lightning mm-hmm. and the barn was a total loss. Um, they even lost some animals. Oh. And so I remember that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say it was in a, within a few days. I mean, I was a kid, so I don't remember the greatest. Um, who knows? It could have been a few weeks. But within a short period of time, mm-hmm. they had arranged a barn raising. Yeah. And they didn't have to pay for labor to, you know, come have their barn rebuilt because everybody just came and pitched in. Yeah. And they call and, it a work day. Yeah. And, like, all the neighbor ladies and all the women, they brought food. Mm-hmm. And so, like, everyone was fed and their barn got built and they had a... Had a new barn again. Yeah. That's very, very common. And even, like, among ex-Amish people, mm-hmm. you'll still see, like, ex-Amish people helping each other in that way. Yeah, doing, like, like work days. Yes, yes. doing work yes, days. 100%. And, um, like, when if someone's building a new house, the guys will all gather to do the siding mm-hmm. one day or something like that. Um, and that is just, that's, and the women, like you mentioned, oftentimes, like, um, women will have days that they get together. Mm-hmm. And they help each other with something, like, in the mm-hmm. house. Like, um, Amish church is held in people's homes. You, like, rotate whose home it's held mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And church Sunday, if you, if church is going to be held at your house, all the women will come to your house and help you clean and get ready and make food for church that Sunday. Yeah, I know, like, some of my aunts and stuff will talk about, like, oh, like, they're having church. And so, like, a lot of their, even some of their friends who are in other churches or, like, their sisters, like, sometimes not even people who are in their their own specific church mm-hmm. will come and help them get ready. Yeah. Yeah, especially if, like, they're a sister or something. Even if their mm-hmm. sister lives in a different community. Sisters, that's another thing that I think is so cool is that sisters are so close. Mm-hmm. And they'll have sister days. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do, too. I think it's really cool. I think that, like... Sometimes that's something that gets lost yeah. when we're in the non-Amish world, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. Because we get so busy yeah. with all these things here and there. And, like, it really just is – there's a, a simplicity to it yes. of just a slower pace, really, is mm-hmm. more what it is. And, yeah, I think there's beauty to be found in that. Mm-hmm. That's actually something that I – that's a specific word I think of when I think about what I'm thankful for in that culture. What I appreciate about that culture mm-hmm. um, is the simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, they do the things they have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not stressed worrying about all these other things. They don't have to keep up with social media. They don't have to keep up with the latest trends. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no trends in the Amish. I mean... Okay, I take all of that back. <laughs> I was about to be like, um, girl, where you been? <laughs> My cousins are all about the latest trends. Like, 
Because now you have different textures of fabrics. Oh. And there's different cuts of sleeves you can do. Like, sometimes, one of my cousins, she really likes to do this, like, it's like almost like a, oh man, I don't know how to describe it. Like a fold in the center of her sleeve, but also kind of looks like a slit because it's kind of like a little V shape. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's like I know going kind saying. of under in the middle. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Um, and so she likes to do that. Whereas one of my other cousins is like, oh, uh, that would drive me nuts. I don't like how that would feel on my arm to like have that little bit of extra fabric. And she's like, I like to surge the edge in like a fancy little scallop here. <laughs> and I was like, you just said fancy in reference to your dress. And she's like, shh. <laughs> and so it's like, it's the whole thing. You know, and, and that like, probably, those are trends. Yeah, that probably varies community to community because yeah, like where in the community I grew up, that would not be allowed. You would not right. be allowed to make your dress different in any way. Well, that, I, I think that's been more of a recent thing. Yeah, I think so too. Amish communities are changing a lot recently. And also more within... Or more among the ones who haven't joined the church. You're right, yes. But the textured fabrics you see anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and fabrics I mean, are... not in the lower orders, but... Yeah, you're right. And then, yeah, so going back to simplicity, I think another factor of that that I appreciate or can appreciate is pra- practicality. Mm-hmm. Because they are very practical. If something needs to be done, they do it. And yeah. they're not... Like, that's one thing, like, um, the minimalist movement that kind of happened among mm-hmm. the whole world with Marie Kondo and everything. Um, Amish people already pretty much do that. Again, it varies family by family. But, like, I grew up very much, like, you didn't purchase something if it didn't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to an extent, that's not all great because, like... I think I learned as I got older that you can also purchase things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make your home fun to live in. And yeah. you need to, like, enjoy the space you're in. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. But I so admire and appreciate the practicality and just, yeah, the simplicity and practicality of their lives and doing the practical thing mm-hmm. and doing what they need to, to take care of each other Um yeah, I think that's really, really cool. That's a really cool part of their culture. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about, like, simplicity and doing what they need to do. And I don't know why, but it made me think, too, of how, like, most Amish homes that you walk into, they're, and the way they're set up and, like, the way the furniture is placed, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very much, like, set up to foster conversations within family or guests. Like, you don't go into a living room and it's, like, only a couple of chairs here and there because that's, you know, feng shui or or whatever or the nicest placement. It's, like, everything is gathered around one central point so that they can include a large group of people. Yeah. There, there's something enjoyable about going to my aunt's house and being, like, oh, there's enough space here for me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think that's something that everyone could take from that is just like creating spaces that are welcoming mm-hmm. to guests and your and your family. Yeah, and like are the focal point of your spaces is to all be together. Yeah, and you know that reminds me very much of something that I miss very much. 
if there is one thing, I was talking to my dad about this recently, if there was one thing that I could bring out of the culture and, like, go back to, Mm -hmm. is that anybody is welcome at any time Mm -hmm. at your home. Yes. And you don't have to text before you go over. Like, I don't know how many times my parents tell stories about that. They would just randomly decide one evening, oh, we're going to go over to uh, my, so my grandpa, my -hmm. grandma and grandpa's house for dinner that evening. And they would just show up and grandma would make sure there was enough food and then they would sit down and we'd all mm-hmm. leave together. Yeah. And there was no call made, no text made. Hey, we're coming over for dinner. Is there enough room for us? Or even, are you home? <laughs> because they yeah. were always home. And so that's that goes back to the simplicity. Mm-hmm. So I know that's not feasible. But what I wish is that we didn't have this whole like, oh, we better check that they're okay if we come over mm-hmm. and my mom and dad are really the only people in like me and Tanner's lives that will just go over to their house unannounced and show up yeah. and they are always happy to see us. Mm-hmm. They're always like, Oh, we didn't know you guys were coming over. Yeah. Come in. And you know, sometimes we show up right at dinner time, and that is handy. I will tell you. That's nice. I'm going to tuck that tip in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Not that we always do it on purpose, but um, it's it's wonderful, and I think that is something from their culture that they value each other and community so much, and, like, mm-hmm. especially Sunday afternoons, like, because the other thing about Amish church is that they have church every other week, so yeah. the off Sunday oftentimes will be spent visiting other families in the community, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I have memories of going to see people on Sunday afternoons, people coming to see us on Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. And I do. I have memories of showing up at my grandparents unannounced. And I have one very specific memory of my parents dropping um, me and two of my brothers off at my grandma's house for the evening and because they had errands to run, you know. And mm-hmm. it was no big thing. Mm-hmm. I We just hung out with my grandparents and I have, like, memories of playing with my uncles and my mm-hmm. aunts that evening. Um, and so they all rally around each other in that way mm-hmm. and help each other, like, with childcare in that instance. Yeah. Um, and it's just not even considered really a thing. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's not this, like, stigma of, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but there's this, like, feeling of, like, we don't want to intrude. And with the Amish, it's not like that. It doesn't matter how messy your house is, because if you have kids messing up your house, if someone stops by, you still invite them in, and you're not embarrassed about the mess. Yeah. I think also you mentioned the whole childcare thing, and that made me think, too, of, like, the whole, it takes a village. Yeah. And the Amish really do do that. Yeah. They do, like, okay, if you go to an Amish church, and there is a kid doing something they're not supposed to do, it, you, it might be hard for you to tell who is that kid's mom, because there might be three or four different women who call him out on whatever he's doing. <laughs> That's true. I had you kind know? of not thought about that. And and so it's like, there's also just like more than one adult around. Yeah. Who's, well, I mean, two adults because parents. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess I said one because, well, I don't know about our listeners. Do they all know about how the Amish work or not? But for church ceremonies, the men and women do not sit together. Yes, that's they true. They are segregated. Women on one side and men on the other. So I think that's why I said one 
Because mm-hmm. I was thinking of how the women will be sitting in one yeah, area. Yeah, usually the young children will be with the mom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, like, once the boys get older, they'll go with the dad. Yeah, which more and more, I've been very happy to say that when I go to my cousin's weddings and stuff, I see a lot more of the younger dads taking the little kids sometimes. Really? Or, like, I remember one specific wedding there was a mom sitting right in front of me who had a little baby who was not the happiest and two toddlers who were going back and forth between being quiet and quite quite restless. And all of a sudden, like, here comes her husband and just like leans over and he's like, here, let me take somebody. And he actually took the baby. And all of a sudden I see he has the baby asleep And then she was able to focus on her restless toddlers. And it was just, it was just really nice to see, to see, you know, more participation from dads. Cause I know in the past there's, it's really, it's kind of a stereotype and it's very true. in a lot of the Amish is that most of the parenting falls to the women and the guys are kind of like, oh, I have to watch the kids or whatever. Yeah. And that's definitely like a broad generalization. I know that's not the case for everyone. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, even in many years past, there are dads that have been very hands on. So I don't want to say that that's always the case. Yeah. But I just feel like, in my experience, mm-hmm. it's a little more so than what you see in the non Amish. Oh, yeah. I think absolutely. Um, But so it's really nice for, you know, I'm a mom of young kids. So when I see other young moms with little kids having partners who are stepping up, it's something I really appreciate. Yeah. But. Because, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's really cool to see even Amish communities changing. Yes. yeah, Yeah. 100%. Like recognizing like, oh, that should be different in. You know, and that's changing. Yeah, and recognizing that just because our parents did something one way, mm-hmm. we don't have to do it that way. Yeah. And like, another way that I felt the emphasis that the Amish put on the importance of family is, so, you know, we have four kids. Mm-hmm. And when we go to family gatherings or weddings or whatever, they're always like, oh, you have four kids. That's so great. They're like, you know, and they'll comment on our kids and like, actually talk to our kids mm-hmm. and they actually take an interest in your family not yeah. just you or they'll be like or you never hear comments of like oh wow you have four kids like whew. got your hands full yes yeah they all or, have big families don't you know how that happens <laughs> okay an Amish person will probably never ever say that to you yeah I would not imagine they would. Yeah, they they but, have big families and they value yeah. they value their children and they value their big families. Yeah. Well, like that's those are things that literally people in like Walmart have said to me. Yeah. Don't you know how that happens? Or like when I was I was actually pregnant with my third, but you couldn't tell yet. And so I'm there with you know, my oldest two are a boy and a girl. And this lady says, oh, look, you have a b- one boy and one girl. How nice. You can just be done. <laughs> and I was like, um, 
That's not something you would ever hear in, oh, no. in an Amish community because they're like, children are valuable. Mm-hmm. They're important and they're treasured. Yes, they are. They're treasured. And that is something that I feel like a lot, maybe, maybe not a lot, but like, that's something that like has been, has been lost some. In America yeah. is that importance of family and the fact that our children are to be treasured. Yeah, just all of that. It's it's so important and I feel like that's a that's a value that I'm really glad that I got from my background. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, and you know another way that they value children is that after a woman gives birth, no matter how many children she has, um someone Usually a sister, if she doesn't Mm -hmm, have a sister mm -hmm. that's like a good age, a cousin, or even just a friend, if that's the only person Or a neighbor's girl or whoever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Will stay at their house for up to eight weeks Mm -hmm. and will help with household chores if they have older children taking care of the older children. And Mm -hmm. the emphasis is put on the new mom resting and taking care of that baby. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely amazing because it really puts, like, it it really puts emphasis on the fact that children are so important to them. Mm -hmm. And, well, also I think it recognizes, like, when they, when you have a, um, they call it a maud, which is a maid. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you have the, the maid there, the mom can, you know, relax a little more in knowing that, the other kids are taken care of while she adjusts this new baby yeah. to being part of the family, too. Yeah. And I think it's just a lot less stress on everyone involved, especially when you are in a family that has, you know, six or seven kids or however many. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, I don't mean like that is a lot of kids. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, that's a lot of things that you're managing. Yes, especially with a new baby. Yeah. yeah. And, like, even still, um, like, I know so many ex-Amish uh, people, even if it's not, like, a lot of time, mm-hmm. um, it's it's still usually a, a parent, like, a mom will come help after a baby's born, mm-hmm. and um, sisters will help, you know, families vary. Mm-hmm. It's different in every family, but in general, even ex-Amish people, that's a that's a thing that kind of is kept mm-hmm. even after because they still recognize, I think they recognize how much work it is to have young children and babies yeah. and they want to help mm-hmm. and they want to help make it an easier transition. Yeah, I agree. An- another thing that um, kind of goes along this vein a little bit that I really enjoy about our culture that we come from is the work ethic yes and that starts at a young age Mm -hmm. at a young age they start teaching their kids about responsibility and how to do basic things Mm -hmm. and okay let's be honest some of those kids are out there mowing the yard way too young yes but (laughs) i mean like (laughs) at some age yeah that's a good job for them to take on yeah. And they're not just thrown into adulthood with no skills. Yeah. They have been taught how to do all of those basic things in life. 
Mm-hmm. And that is something that I appreciate about the Amish culture is that they're actually preparing their kids for life. Yeah. And with that comes that a lot of Amish people are very entrepreneurial. A yes. lot of them own their own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they work really hard. Yeah. And a they, lot of, they yeah. run their own businesses. Uh, there's even, like, I know my dad for a while when I was, till I was like three, he ran a sawmill. But okay. he was able to do it from his home. His sawmill was, like, up the hill. And mm-hmm. so he got to be home. And I know my mom talks about that she really enjoyed that because he would come inside for lunch and be mm-hmm. there um, with the kids and everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Amish, not all the Amish, because sometimes it's not feasible, you know, but some Amish do work from home. And I think that's really cool because the family unit is all mm-hmm. in one place. Yeah. Which is just so cool. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that the entrepreneurialness and um, the work ethic comes from them teaching them skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, girls learn how to cook um, and clean really well. I mean, in my personal opinion, boys should learn more than they do. Mm-hmm. Because in the Amish, a lot of times, even grown men will know like the extent of their cooking is an egg. Or, like, scrambled eggs or something. Yeah. And um, so I – but that's just not how the Amish do it. Right. And I can recognize that. I, I will be doing it differently in my family. Yeah. But um, – so that's one thing that maybe they could do differently. But I do appreciate that their daughters do all learn how to cook for the most part, you know, and clean and just take care of um, a house – I think pretty much every Amish child learns how to take care of animals at some mm-hmm. point because pretty they much, usually yeah. have chickens. Um, you know, it varies. Some Amish people have cows. Maybe one Amish family has a cow and then the other neighbors get milk from them. They kind of like share the cow, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think usually now um, whoever is the dairy farm in the neighborhood is where most of the other neighbors go to yeah. get I think it used to be more of a thing where more people would maybe have a cow here and there, but now they just go to the closest neighbor yeah, because, to get milk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's close enough that they can. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in general, most Amish people do have animals, and I think that's really cool that kids get to learn how to take care of animals. Yeah, and that, that's another thing of responsibility. Yes. Every day, you know, you got to go feed the cats. Yes. Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's... Yeah, it's a really cool thing. I think also um, they're taught to see things that need to be done. And that also helps them to be more of those entrepreneurial go-getters. Yes, you're right. Because it's not just like, oh, wait until, no, like, don't wait until I tell you to do it. If you see it needs to be done, you go and do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something they're taught to do. Yeah, that's a really good and point. I know that's something I was taught to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something I'm trying to pass down to my kids. Yeah. Because it's something that I've been grateful for. And in each of the jobs I've had has been a skill that has actually really benefited me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm almost 30 and there's a lot of people my age who don't know how to do that. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about cooking that girls are taught how to cook, but... Another thing is food in general. Mm-hmm. The Amish culture is food. I, I want to say something about the cooking thing before we move on. Oh, okay. yes. A couple of stories. 
So while that is in general, here are some fun stories of exceptions to okay. that. So um, there's this guy that I know who he told me he was about, oh, I don't want to mess this up. I want to say he said he was like 11 Okay. when his mom had triplets. Triplets. And there were already like, I think he said seven of them. Wow. And he was the oldest. So he learned to wash diapers and hang them on the line to dry. And he said he never did any cream pies, but he knows how to bake any fruit pie with or without a top, like a crust on the top. Wow. At 11 years old. That is incredible. That was so impressive. And he also knew how to bake bread. He said he didn't when the babies were born, but with his mom's direction, like she would tell him what to do, and he would go try, and it would flop. And through trial and error, and his mom, you know, giving him directions and answering questions, he managed to figure out how to bake bread, too. That is so cool. And then also, uh, my dad, to brag on him a little bit, (laughs) um, I remember being younger and, like, him coming home from work, and we were still supposed to finish a few chores. One of them was to wash up the floor. and. Him being like, oh, go outside and play and I'll wash up the floor. And I remember telling some friends about this and they were like, your dad knows how to wash up the floor? Oh, wow. You know, because they were Amish neighbor girls. They were shocked that my dad knew how to wash up the floor. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, there was no way their dad would have known how to wash up the floor. Wow. And I was like, my, um, as far as I understand it, my grandma on, you know, my, my paternal grandma raised her kids to be like, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, you can do either of these jobs. See, that's awesome. I think that really goes to show that it really varies family to family. And all of my aunts in that family, they are, I want to say strong-willed, but I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. Like, and, and they're all like, I can do anything a man can do. And they do. And, but also I think it's something that they were, raised with too. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Because they did all those things. They did the chores right along with the boys. Mm-hmm. And the boys had to do stuff in the house right along with the girls. Another thing that I want to brag on my dad for is this. My mom would always make these turtle cakes. It's like chocolate and caramel. I have been hungry for one, but I'm honestly scared to try it. <laughs> my dad has made those. Wow. That's like melting caramel and like getting it to the right texture. Yeah. To put on top of the cake. Yeah. You know, that's so funny. And we've talked about that actually, like aside from the podcast, even. We've talked about that our dads are very similar. Mm hmm. And my dad definitely has things that he cooks. Mm hmm. Does your dad wash coffee cups? Yes. Mm, that must be nice. <laughs> That's funny. My dad prefers to not wash his coffee cups. Because because he washes his dishes, but then he says he's still drinking his coffee. So then he rinses it out and sets it in the sink. But then they get stained because he didn't wash it right away. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> as far as I know, he washes coffee cups. I haven't lived with him for like seven years now, so. You should check. <laughs> 
Because I don't know. I don't know what my dad used to do, but now... You know, he's... I think he washes them later, maybe? No, he doesn't. He said he rinses it out and he hangs it back up or puts it back in the cupboard or whatever it is. He rinses it out and puts it back. That's funny. You know, I think my dad has gotten used to the modern convenience called a dishwasher. Mm. So. My dad does definitely not have a dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, and it, you know... Talking about this reminds me that it really varies family to family mm-hmm. because, like, my dad would have known how to clean, too, now that I think about it. Yeah. Like, he would have helped my mom when she needed help with mm-hmm. something, especially when there were little kids that couldn't yeah. help yet. Because once I got older, I was the only girl for a while, and actually she would make the boys help, too, now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Um, and we would have Saturday was cleaning day, and we cleaned the entire house. Like, I am not lying. Mm -hmm. We would move furniture and mop the floor and wash all the windows, Mm -hmm. you know, and dust everything. And, like, I I actually really value that because I know how to keep a house clean. Is it perfectly clean all the time? No, but I know how to do it. And I was taught. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we did all the time when we were younger, too. Yeah. Yeah. And my brothers do know the mm-hmm. basics. The only thing I don't think they ever learned was how to do laundry. Wow. I think that they can do laundry, but I don't think it was ever, like, a thing that was, like, taught. I, I, I'm hoping, my, my hopes are for my own kids, that, like, by the time they hit a certain age, not now, like, when they're teenagers. Like, by the time they're ready to move out? Oh, no, before that. Okay. That they're doing their own laundry. Oh, okay. Like, if they're teenagers, I did all of the laundry for my family when I was, like, 12. Oh. So, I think by 13, they should be pretty capable. Of doing their own laundry. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually love doing laundry. So I, I do, too. It was something I enjoyed, was mm-hmm. doing the laundry. But I think that, you know, by 13, that's a good responsibility for them to have, to manage... That on their own to be like, oh, I'm gonna need clean laundry. Yeah, and We're taking take care, care of, of their own belongings. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, future plans right there. That makes sense. Yeah, um, but yes. Yeah, so we touched on the food. Let's go back there. There are restaurants, especially here in Amish country, dedicated mm-hmm. to Amish food. Yes, I feel like I should give shout outs to some of my faves. <laughs> <clears throat> Crystal, we, we talked about this a little earlier, and Crystal mentioned that it's really comfort food. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. They do a lot of comfort food. I told Crystal earlier, kind of started a debate between us. Mm, here we go. Um, I'm not going to lie and tell you that Amish food is my favorite food, because it is not. <laughs> and my Poor response Crystal. to that when she said that earlier was... But mashed potatoes! Yes. And then I pointed out that mashed potatoes is in other cultures, too. Look at Thanksgiving, which Amish people sometimes don't celebrate. They don't? Not the Amish I came from. Did you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes. Oh, my goodness, you lucky people. (laughs) No. Okay. The Amish I came from, the sect we came from, we didn't celebrate any holidays. Okay. I don't know about those people. (laughs) Yeah. No wonder you don't like mashed um, potatoes. Okay. I take it back. We celebrated Christmas, but in a totally different way. 
Okay. Than like we do now. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, so my mom's side of the family never celebrated any holidays. They didn't even really do birthdays. And then my dad's side of the family did Christmas, but they didn't really do much for birthdays. Mm. I think that their mom would like bake them a, a cake, maybe. I'm going to okay. have to double check with them on this, but like mm-hmm. nothing else was really done. But on Christmas, I think that they each got to pick out a gift for their siblings. Like, I don't know if they had one specific sibling. And then they would do Christmas Eve dinner and exchange gifts then. But it was very small in comparison to, Mm -hmm. like, how we celebrate Christmas now. And when my mom and dad got married, my dad loved Christmas so much. Can't blame him. He still loves Christmas so much. And Mm -hmm. we, we, our whole family loves Christmas. I was going to say, ain't no judgment for loving Christmas for me. Yep. And so he he wanted to keep that, even Mm -hmm. though my mom didn't grow up with it. And so my mom got to celebrate Christmas. And she also got to celebrate her birthdays for the first time, you know, got yeah. gifts for her birthdays. Um, so we grew up celebrating birthdays and celebrating Christmas. We didn't do a whole ton of Thanksgiving till after we left the Amish, actually. I mean, I guess now I know why you don't feel so strongly about mashed potatoes. I actually really love mashed potatoes. But I just don't think that it's then a... why would you say, but other playful, other people make mashed potatoes too. Because I will tell you, I have had mashed potatoes a lot. Okay? I love them. <laughs> she loves... Yeah. Look, it in takes my the family, love for mashed potatoes to a whole other In level. my family, you had mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving, and you have mashed potatoes for Easter, and you have mashed potatoes for Christmas... And you probably have mashed potatoes for Valentine's Day. I mean, like, if, if there's something going on, you we always had mashed potatoes. Now, is that still true now? Maybe not so much because certain members of the family have been like, can we have something else? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with them. Is it the brother-in-law? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> not saying. It may not just be him. Maybe his wife and other people, too. <laughs> He might be fine with mashed potatoes. I'm not sure. I really haven't done a poll recently, and I don't really remember who were the voices that were like, hey, you know. See, that's interesting because, like, did your family also just do mashed potatoes, like, for, like, a common meal, like, that was made probably at least every other week, maybe even once a week when I was growing up was mashed potatoes and meatloaf and, like, green beans. And that was okay. Meal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did. We had it. We had it for meals, and like, um, we would also have like, like, did you ever have like underground ham casserole or anything like that? It's like no ham, and I think like I want to say cream of mushroom soup. I have to go look at my recipe, but it's topped with like mashed potatoes. So we would have like also like a lot of different casseroles that were topped with mashed potatoes. Interesting. And okay, you know how like in China with Chinese food you eat rice with almost everything yes i guess i shouldn't say like actually a lot of asian foods you eat rice with With amish food you eat mashed potatoes with everything yes okay that's absolutely right and but also like i have had a lot of mashed potatoes in my life and i've had a lot of mashed potatoes that were from people who weren't amish and had no amish backgrounds and some of them tasted like cardboard (laughs) okay i'm like not even gonna lie so if those are the mashed potatoes you're eating, I can no. see why you don't feel so strongly about it. But, like, also, 
my family, like, my mom and my aunts are some, there's some great cooks. Yes. Okay? Like, I got people in my family who cater food. Mm -hmm. So they make the most legit mashed potatoes ever. And they're amazing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I completely understand that. And don't get me wrong. I love mashed potatoes. No, you don't. It's <laughs> not my favorite food like it is yours. See, but you I just love don't love mashed. mashed potatoes. That is not true, Crystal. We <laughs> may be having our first fight. <laughs> I love mashed potatoes. No, you like mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's not true. I love mashed potatoes. I don't understand. Why do you think I don't love them? Because you were like... Well, other people make them too. <laughs> I I was saying that mashed potatoes are not specifically an Amish thing. <laughs> okay, maybe they're not specifically an Amish thing. However, I do think they started out as a German thing, right? I have no idea. Oh man, now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But somewhere along the way, they became a staple. I mean, potatoes. Like every culture has a way that they eat potatoes, right? Pretty much every culture. You know, I don't think mashed potatoes are a German thing. It just got me thinking because the Germans, I can't remember what you call them. Is it like latkes? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the German way of potatoes. It's like the hash browns that you make into patties, basically. Yeah, you know, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I, I don't know where mashed potatoes stemmed from. I'll be honest. They are delicious. I think a lot of people would say it's their favorite part about Thanksgiving. Is mashed yeah. potatoes. And gravy. Yes, mashed potatoes and, green and beans. gravy. I mean, I layer my Thanksgiving meal. I'll do mashed potatoes, turkey, gravy over it all. I mean, sometimes Are I Are you saying you make a Thanksgiving haystack? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so update on mashed potatoes. Here. <laughs> okay. They have apparently been determined to have been originated in the United Kingdom. So, we can't call them mashed potatoes anymore. They're now mashed potatoes. Okay. Or potatoes. So, see, I was right. It's not just an Amish thing. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. But. And I love it. I just wanted to argue about something, okay? And also, <laughs> you had if you had said it about anything else, it probably, I would have been like, oh, I know you're right. Okay, see. But you said it about mashed potatoes. I don't remember saying that. I said Amish food in general is not my favorite food. And, and I said, but like, what about mashed potatoes? potatoes? And you were like, oh. well, mashed potatoes aren't, like, necessarily a, an Amish thing. I see. I see. see you see how I got I attacked there. the thing closest to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which also, I see why you did that, because I said, what about mashed potatoes? <laughs> so, like... Guys, we, this conversation we is We both silly. contributed it. This is hilarious. Yes. But no, like in general, Amish people, they make very good comfort food, mm-hmm. but in general, they don't cook with spices. Okay, when I say spices, I mean like they don't make spicy food. Okay, Crystal's looking at me funny, and I'm starting to wonder if this is just my Amish experience. Okay, like not like spicy, no, but flavorful, yes. It is definitely just my Amish experience then. Because like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, I am really starting to question your Amish people. <laughs> I don't know who, okay, let's who you are or what you culture, came from. Which, which sects we came from. I came from, like, old order Amish. Okay, so did I. But I don't think you can really count that. Because no, because it was completely different. Communities. It's a completely different area. 
And like, I, yeah, I was born in New York, and you grew up in Ohio, and Ohio is very different. Yeah, we've got like twelve different flavors of Amish here. I mean, like, just in within ten miles of us, there's like twelve different flavors. Yeah, of Amish. I mean, I don't know. Maybe twelve is an exaggeration. Maybe I should count. <laughs> She's never mind. Counting. I'm too tired to count. <laughs> I can't um, think straight. It's yeah, funny. I guess you're right. Like old order, what old order means to certain people is not what it means to other people. Mm-hmm. But okay. I will say, like, my grandma has a cinnamon roll recipe that I will follow till the day I die because mm-hmm. it is the best cinnamon rolls I've mm-hmm. ever had in my life. And it's very flavorful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I love food with, like, tons of spice. Like, I love um, Thai food. So, Mexican food is usually pretty spicy. Okay, here's what I'm hearing from you. Your disregard for the health of your body extends from skydiving to also wanting to burn your tongue off. <laughs> I mean, is that an This is the only time I've ever had Thai food related to skydiving, and I think it's amazing. <laughs> Listen, everything is relatable to skydiving at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I love, like... I mean, I can't handle a ton, ton of spice because I grew up on Amish food. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but um, I love, like, I love sushi. I love, like, things that have different flavors. Okay, you're just a lot more adventurous than I am, too. <laughs> I love Indian food. But that is in love, part yes. because I spent, like, how long was I there? Six months. I spent six months in India. Bit into some chilies a couple of times. Not an experience I want to repeat on that. But I ate a lot of good Indian food that did not come close to burning my tongue off. And that's the kind I like. But curry. I mean, like, oh, oh yeah, I love a good curry. Love curry. Mm-hmm. But um, I like my, I don't eat bland food. No, you don't. I eat, I, like, my family is very good cooks. Like, you can be guaranteed that you will get a good meal. Mm-hmm. No, they are. You're right. Relatives. Yes. I guess I have learned that my Amish, ex- I mean, I knew that. I knew my Amish experience is very different from the Amish experiences in this area. Mm-hmm. But I have learned it. I didn't know it about food. I'll be honest. So, like, would you say that, like, you're Amish? You're saying, like, they didn't use spices. I'm like, did they, did they use salt? Yes. Okay. Like, salt and pepper were the staple. But what did, did they use anything beyond that? Not like really. garlic or anything. Okay, seasoning salt. They would use seasoning salt. Okay. Um, I'm feeling like I kind of know where you're coming from now because I have this memory tingling in the back of my brain of this woman who used to babysit us when we were little. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember being like, "Oh, I hate the food at her house." Like, she had lots of junk food at her house we were never allowed to eat, so it was like, yes, zebra cakes, here I come. <laughs> now I think those are disgusting, but I loved them. As then. a child, I mean. Right? It was like, whew. Um, but I distinctly remember one time her opening her cabinet to get some salt out, and I saw, like, five spice jars in there, and it was salt and pepper, seasoning salt, parsley, and I can't remember what the fifth one was. Yeah, yeah no, so, that's like, exactly right. Like, there was no such thing as parsley potatoes. Like, the first time mm-hmm. I had parsley potatoes, I was like, oh my gosh, parsley adds so much to potatoes. 
I don't think they used garlic much. Onions were definitely used a lot. Um, <laughs> which you don't like onions. No, I don't um, like onions. But, like, so, but just, like, very basic seasonings. Mm-hmm. Not really, like, they weren't very, maybe that's why I love such, like, very spiced food. Because, like, it feels, I don't know. But they were, they were, it's not that the food wasn't good. Mm-hmm. It was, it was good. And it was comforting, comfort food. Mm-hmm. And, like, Amish mac and cheese that I ate growing up when my mom would make homemade mac and cheese instead of, like, out-of-the-box kind. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Now I would I would actually add more spices to it. But um, back then, no. I mean, it was really good. It was just cheese and salt. Yeah. Pepper. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it was always good. Mm-hmm. But I was telling Crystal earlier, which is what started all this, that if I had to give up one cuisine... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had to give up one cuisine and never eat it again in my life, I wouldn't hesitate at all, and I'd say Amish. And that just really, really just (laughs) knocked the wind out of me. (laughs) Well, listen, the mashed potatoes are getting left behind. Crystal, we already settled this. Mashed potatoes is not an Amish thing. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. The good. good mashed potatoes are getting left behind. Okay. Oh, that cracks me up. Yeah. I have never had mashed potatoes so delicious and so creamy. Like, okay, who else puts sour cream and butter in their mashed potatoes? See, in our kind of Amish, sour cream was not even a thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I am learning that... I think that they need to be excommunicated. <laughs> I don't usually subscribe to that belief, but in this instance, I think I might go there. And again, maybe it varies family by family, but I didn't grow up with sour cream. I didn't... Let's see. I think the first time I had sour cream was after we left the Amish. Did you have butter? Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. The potatoes always had loads of butter. And okay, I will say, Crystal... The Amish are good at making mashed potatoes because the first time I made mashed potatoes for Tanner's family's Thanksgiving, every single person complimented my mashed potatoes. And they were like, oh, these mashed potatoes are so good. And I was like, they're just, I mean, they're actually not even as good as my mom's. And everyone complimented. We're like, oh, Alma, I'm so glad you made the mashed potatoes. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess these just, these seem like normal mashed potatoes to me, but everybody loves them. I'm also realizing we left something out when we're talking about the mashed potatoes. Browned butter. Interesting. Did you ever do that? Not growing up. I mean, now, yes, but not growing up. Brown butter was, like, always on so our So you're Amish. The Amish you came from did fancy things, like sour cream and brown butter. Those are not fancy things. They are staples in life. See, butter is a staple. You know, I'm also having another realization. I am having a very clear realization right now. My mom never enjoyed cooking. She cooked because she had six kids to feed. Mm. And so this conversation is going to start a whole new conversation with my mother. And I am going to be asking her how my grandmother cooked. And then I will be asking my father how his mother cooked. Yes, please do. And report back, because I want to know. I am so curious In my family, my mom loves cooking. Yeah, that's true. And I have, well, I don't know about all my aunts, but at least one aunt specifically that I know loves to cook. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, like, my mom always made really good food. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, her meatloaf is still my favorite meatloaf in the whole world. And 
She always made really good mashed potatoes. Um, I mean, she made really good food. I'm really curious now for our listeners. If they come from an Amish background, Mm -hmm. how do they feel about mashed potatoes? Ooh. And, like, what is their favorite Amish food? What is their favorite comfort food? Yes. That's a good point, yeah. if you do not have an Amish background, what is your favorite comfort food? It's like two completely different questions there. Yeah, you're right. And you know, another thing that only Amish or ex-Amish people will know what it is. Cold soup of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And it usually consists of milk and bread. And then other ingredients. Yeah. Like, I, there was a version with beans for me growing up, and there mm-hmm. was a version with fruit. It's very interesting. See, we did, we never did beans. We had a warm version, mm-hmm. which had yes, brown butter too. in it also. Yum. Um, and salt and pepper. Seasonings. Spices. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then also a cold version that I remember having with strawberries. Yes, we definitely had strawberries, blueberries, peaches. Um, I don't remember ever doing any others than other than strawberries. But I think that was also because those soups were not my mom's favorite. And so when we had them, I think it was usually more because Dad liked them. And it was, and like so we did whatever was his favorite. That makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's a quick dinner. That's why they do it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, they'll do those dinners or lunches on days that they're like doing laundry because doing laundry for an Amish family is a lot of work. So mm-hmm. they need like a quick meal. Um, yeah, and some Amish know what coffee soup is. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with coffee soup. Crystal didn't, but that comes back to the fact that Crystal's dad didn't like coffee for a long time. Yeah, I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we think. that's. <laughs> I guess they can correct Who us knows? if we're wrong. We, we might put this podcast out and get phone calls from our, oh my our parents being like, you know why what? did you say that? That's you know not what? true. I think that this brings up a very interesting point because this is our perspective. That's true. We are coming from the perspective of having left the Amish at Mm -hmm. relatively young ages. Okay, really young ages. Right. And so there's a lot of Amish experiences we missed out on. And Mm -hmm. the memories we have are what we remember. They're Mm -hmm. how we grew up. And so our parents probably grew up completely, okay, not completely differently. Yeah. But they, by the time they left, you know, they were probably letting go of certain things Mm -hmm. that they did growing up. And so, yeah, this is not to invalidate anyone else's Amish experience. Because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is there are so many sects of Amish. And so everyone's Amish experience is bound to be different. Yeah, I agree. But, and even then, even within the sects, it also varies from church to church. Exactly. And so there's so much variation. Yeah. It's just like, it's honestly, it's just like anyone who says, oh, I'm... Baptist, or I'm non-denominational, or I'm whatever. There's still variations from the church to church. Yeah, and there's always a few similarities that mm-hmm. tie them together, which, mm-hmm. like, with the Amish, what we talked about earlier with the community and the family and all of that, mm-hmm. that is something that between community to community, no matter where you go, that is all, in general, an Amish thing. That togetherness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Um, and, and food? You know, you're right. Area to area, food is going to vary. So that mm-hmm. was actually a very eye-opening conversation we just had. I realized I had forgotten how strongly I felt about mashed potatoes. 
Now I really want mashed potatoes. I'm going to be calling my mom and being like, Mom. Come over for dinner. Huh? Yeah. Like, okay, I can make great mashed potatoes, but now I'm hungry for my mom's mashed potatoes. There's also something about not having to prepare it yourself. Like, that's also true. Eating food that isn't prepared by you, like, hits different than when you have to cook it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we've covered a lot of things that we appreciate about the Amish culture. A few other things that I can think of off the top of my head is I'm really glad I know a second language. Um, Yes! And, um... One really random thing is that Amish people sing a lot. Did you did you grow up like singing? Mm-mm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe this varies community to community too. But like, I had Amish friends whose families did more singing, but not so much in mine that I remember. Like the community I came from, when there's a certain thing called Rumspringa. Like, in, in general, in Amish, mm-hmm, Amish. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Romspringa is, it's a very easy Google. Our, okay, this also goes to show how different my community was, too, because the community I grew up in, they weren't allowed to have Romspringa. Youth weren't allowed to have Romspringa. They had singings? They had singings. See, here, it would depend on which order or sect you're in. Yeah. Like, mostly the, the what they would call the lower orders would have Romspringa. And then the higher orders would do Bible studies or singings. Interesting. Yeah, singings were like they would have hymn books or Amish song books. Mm-hmm. And they would sing songs, a cappella. Mm-hmm. Um, they would all get together like, was it Sunday evenings? Usually, I think. Yeah, and they would sing songs. And because of that, I don't know. I, I grew up singing more and lately I've been thinking about it and like I really don't sing and I know maybe that sounds strange but like when you grow up as for a long time with it being part of your culture I mean we listen to music but and we can sing along to it but it's like totally different than like singing a song out of like a songbook or a mm-hmm, handbook mm-hmm. that is a cappella. it's a totally different experience yeah um so yeah anyways that is just a really random thing that not all Amish people experienced. I experienced it and I I appreciated it because I have fond memories of it from childhood. Yeah. But that's a really random one. And I hope if you're somebody that does have an Amish background and a lot of this wasn't news to you, um, I hope that this has still been entertaining for you. Yeah. If nothing else, I always find it interesting. Like when I hear stories mm-hmm. of other people's experiences growing up Amish, yes. I love it. I'm like, oh, I want to hear how your life was different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you weren't Amish, you probably learned a lot of new things or probably left. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it, it really is a totally different culture. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it still affects both of our lives pretty much daily. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so kind of just to like wrap all that up, we kind of just wanted to share things that we appreciate about our culture mm-hmm. and things that have kind of helped shape our lives. Yeah. And I think that there's, I think that there's still more that we appreciate too. We just honestly yes. don't have time to get to it all. Nope. We've because already... we talked about the mashed potatoes too long. <laughs> honestly, this, this is so funny. It's probably going to be our longest podcast and... And we talked about mashed potatoes. (laughs) I was going to say, we didn't plan on it being, we did not think we would be able to talk about this for this long, but. Our husbands tomorrow, they're going to be like, so what'd you guys talk about on your podcast? And we're going to be like, mashed potatoes. (laughs) Mashed potatoes. 
We're going to have some fun Instagram polls after this one. <laughs> I love Instagram polls. I think they're so much fun. Tap the button, tap the button, tap the button. Yeah, so it's amazing. Feels like I'm part of something. Yes. <laughs> part of something bigger than myself. <laughs> yes. Which is always good. But yeah, but yeah. thank you guys for listening. Mm-hmm. And um, we already talked about Instagram a little bit. If you don't already follow us over on Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at The Friendship Bread. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. That helps us out a lot. And you can leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We, again, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. And we hope you'll be back next week for another episode of the Friendship Bread Podcast. Bye.